welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast. I'm Ryan Lockett. I'm Brenna Asplund. And I'm Andrew Frick. Hello. Welcome to the frozen lands of Utah. (laughs) Just last week we were talking about beautiful, sunny Sandy, and then this morning, walked out of the house, snow everywhere. Yeah. I would guess it's probably warmer outside right now than it is inside, however. We're all bundled up in here, like, shivering. (laughs) Drinking, like, tea and hot chocolate. (laughs) It's so cold. (laughs) Yeah, it snowed last night. And it was, like, 80 degrees last week, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Really nice. That's how it is here. I don't know if other... I haven't lived in other parts of the U.S. long enough to know. Well, I know that part of it is because Utah is a desert. Yeah. So the climate and temperatures are generally less stable. Yeah. Like coastal regions or anywhere with really large bodies of water, large bodies of water will sort of like even out the temperatures oh, yeah. and the climate so that there's less um, extreme varieties. Yeah. So we get all these weird, crazy temperatures. Only up yeah. through springtime. In, spring, in spring. spring. Yeah. It's still winter, but it's it's spring, and so it's... It's going to keep fighting back and forth yeah. till one wins. We don't really get spring. It's just like summer and winter like fight each other until it's summer mixed. wins. Yeah. yeah, the same with fall. That's optimistic, though. Summer yeah. always wins. Yeah, yeah, and then eventually fall and winter come and murder it. Yeah. So, nice. this, is new, this is our new, this is our new children's book. Well, on that note. <laughs> so we're going to teach... Uh, we're going to teach climate science. Climate science. Like these crazy, like crazy looking guys that represent the. <laughs> they just murder each other. Yeah, summer has like to be fighting. really cute with like adorable big eyes, and then all of a sudden, long comes fall. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, so I wanted to say that we will be at Gen Con and Origins this summer. Yeah. This yeah. So if you're going to either of those conventions, come check out our booth. And next week, uh, we'll have presence at um, the ACD Game Day. Yep. So if, you be, if you're if you going to be there. I don't know how you're going to get there. If you're a retailer, maybe, or yeah. not part of a publishing, it's not really an open to the public show. It's more yeah. of a distributor show. But yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll be selling near and far at Origins. Yep. So you'll definitely want to come check out, check out our booth if you're at Origins. Yeah. And we'll have Klondike at Gen Con. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Two new releases. In fact, we're gonna have try to have a um, something about like a launch event, kind of like a like a celebration party yeah. at Gen Con, um, and we're gonna be having information. We'll make it a, a public once we know a little bit more of the details. But basically, people can sign up and um, buy tickets for that event at Gen Con through yeah. the ticketed event uh, service. So right, right. Okay, so uh, what's been going on with our dev- on the development side? Well, it's basically uh, me painting pictures for uh, Empires of the Void. <laughs> yeah, yeah, while I deal with near and far shipping. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'm um, the last week I spent a lot of time um, doing new illustrations along with Michael Leavenworth. He's the other artist that's doing card illustrations. So we've both been, you know, sort of scrambling to to finish up some of those. Um, a lot of the action cards they have all these unique illustrations. Um, they're not all, some of them are copied, but there are so many of them that, that look really cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. The events, now they all have the image of the planet. So each planet has its own sort of surface, surface image, and the event card that goes with it, they just have that image. But these cards that you're playing as actions and deliveries and 
missions, they have all these interesting illustrations. So I'm excited. And we're getting, I'm getting close. That's sort of one of the last things I had to do. Uh, so. Yeah. We were talking about this, but I'm glad that the event cards are going to have kind of the planet illustration because when you're sorting through the events, trying to set up the decks and yeah. you know, each game, it's going to make it really easy to find the cards by, you know, they're almost like color coordinated in a way. Yeah. By, yeah. The, by the planets and such. So. Yeah. It's a nice feature. And it'll also make it easier to put them out on the correct planet when you draw them during the game. Right. Yeah. Know? So that'll be really functional. Matching. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. yeah. It'll make it a little easier to use. But uh, yeah, it's fun. I, You know, when we originally had this game planned, we, I was not planning to do a bunch of illustrations like that on the cards. But I'm really glad that um, I have been able to do it because it, it adds... You know, it just adds so much like wor world building and personality to the planets. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, we've been doing near and far shipping as well. And I know people have been getting some uh, tracking numbers. And like in an update, we said if you get a tracking number, it doesn't. What, is, what does that mean? Um, so it means that the shipping company is getting ready to ship your your copy. So it means they've got your information in the system, they're starting to print out labels to go on boxes. So it doesn't necessarily mean that your box is in the mail yet, it's but it means route, that it's yeah. getting ready to get in the mail. Right. Right. And I know this is frustrating, but it could be a while. So you yes. might get a notification and it, you know, could be one week or two weeks or more. So the reality of it is that uh, something a lot of people don't think about, because since we talk about a lot about the development process and the production process and all of that, it also is interesting to think about sort of the realities of the shipping process when you're doing a Kickstarter. That when you have like over 6,000 copies of a game to go out, that's a lot of man hours for like people in a warehouse putting games in boxes, sorting through spreadsheets. Um, getting those spreadsheets plugged into their system so that they can print it out onto shipping labels, getting labels on the boxes, getting the boxes out of the door. Then there's the people doing the shipping, yeah, like actually yeah. bringing it to your door. So there's a lot of like human labor and a lot of time that's going into that. So yeah, and it's it's you know you don't really think about that or or we don't think about that a lot until it happens, but it's a really crucial part of the process and. Uh, you know, I'm really thankful that all these people are doing a great job. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. We've even been getting reports of some people with the game in hand. So yeah, that's it's, uh, exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. Some people are getting it. Some people might not have it for a like a, a little while. Yeah. But just be patient as we're getting all those boxes out the door. The good news is that everything we've done up to this point, the four of us, uh, we've done up to this point. So now it's in the hands of the next. Those, those teams, you know, of individuals who are working on these things. Yeah. And this is a very common thing, you know, distribution. I remember when I worked at distribution, there would be large releases, like a magic set or Pokemon or a big, you know, a game release. And they would do this. They would stage these things, filling the warehouse with hundreds of boxes, and they'd have those tracking numbers ready so that as soon as that release hits, and they knew, they would even try to confirm with the retailers to make sure they were good for them so that as soon as they had that green light to ship it, they could start that huge, that huge process, process of getting out the door. hundreds of orders and multiple big shipping <laughs> trucks to kind of come by to get them out. 
And so they had it all ready. It would fill their warehouses sometimes wow. uh, just to have these things staged and ready. So it's a big process. And so I also respect and my, my, you know, tip my hat to those who are having to do that right now. So yeah. good luck to them. Totally. Okay. Totally. Okay, let's go to the questions section. Okay, so first of all, I have to show off a little bit and show that uh, I can now say uh, Brian Kolzicki. Ooh, can I try? I can say your name. <laughs> sure. Uh, Brian Kolzicki. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Thank you for helping us with that, Brian. Yes, thank you. Thank you for letting me know how to pronounce your name. Okay, then uh, we have another question here from Jeremy Hunsavada, who asks, uh, why are games like Above and Below in boxes three inches deep? It didn't really have enough components to need to fill all that space. That's I, I try to keep our box sizes at um, certain you know standard sizes because people really appreciate being able to stack boxes on you know on their shelf with other games that they have. Stores with their shelving units also appreciate that. Yep. Yeah. And distributors with their shelving units also appreciate that. Right. Right. Um, and uh, with with above and below. You know, we probably could have crammed it in in a slightly smaller box, but it would have been not as common and not as it wouldn't have fit our line really as much. Plus, you know, if we do expansions in the future, people can put that that expansion content in the box. That's what I was going to say. But Ryan's being very humble. But he's see, Ryan is a mastermind, and he already has <laughs> planned out twenty years worth of content. And so that box is was designed in a spatial way to perfectly, I mean, the artist in him, and you know, really made sure of that, so. Yeah. Now, if I say that, then I'm going to basically be in a lot of trouble if near and far expansions ever come out, because they probably will not fit in the box. No, well, and that's the other thing, is that having above and below at that size allows us to make other games like near and far that have a higher volume of components that are in the same line and are the same box size, Great so point. that it's still... Like, it's not only standard to sort of the the industry, it's also standard between our own games, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. I should also say, that's maybe the only time I've heard that comment about Above and Below. So, I think compared to other games, I wouldn't say there's a lot, there's like a ton of empty space in that box. Yeah. But this is a good time to bring up and mention that, uh, you know, Klondike Rush, which will be coming out, uh, you know, around, you said at Gen Con, yeah. is going to be at a different box size than what, you know, would be the smaller kind of bonanza size box that we kind of use for like Artifacts, Inc., and uh, 8 Minute Empires, and the above and below kind of ticket to ride standard size box. Uh, you know, it's going to be in the pandemic size. Uh, the box like that, if you know the game Pandemic, it's in kind of a rectangular. I don't know how to describe my shapes here, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rectangle. What do you call, what do you call that when it's a three D object? Rectangular prism. Yeah, Ooh. that's right. There you go. I know third grade geometry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so let's move on to the games we've been playing. What have you guys right. been playing? Actually, let's go to Andrew because he's been playing Near and Far, yeah. Near and Far campaign. Yeah, I'd love to give an update on kind of how that's going. So it's been it's been really fun. Um, this last week, now that the players have some experience, we've had a couple of previous sessions to try it out. We were able to jump right in, and we actually were able to play two full games of it in one evening. And so we played Map Three, The Crimson Forest, and Map Four, Meteor Mountain. And uh, it went really well. Uh, you know, some interesting things have been happening developing. 
first thing it's really great to know is that no one is like having a runaway leader. Like in the games, like one person might have been doing really well, but then kind of didn't do so well in the next one, and someone else came out as the leader, and so. Uh, by the end of it, we're all within like a 15 point spread. Yeah. So it's you know it's anyone's game right now. Like we still have a ways to go before the campaign through. Um, oh, you mean of your total of our points total, that like, you're like, adding up over the right. Match I, I guess you can I, add up. I guess I should mention that each game yeah. you have a score, and then you kind of write down those scores on the back of your character card. And at the final, you know, end of the full campaign, you would total you total up those scores, and whatever your final score is, that's your journey point. Total and whoever's the highest score is the winner of the campaign. But between each of the three different games we've done with maps two, three, and four, yeah, we've had some interesting uh, you know, developments there. Um, at this point, um, I will say that I have not been questing as much as I would like to. I, my, I've been playing Greer, and for some reason I just keep wanting to build my party up and really get a great party with pack animals and then set out. And by the time I do that, these other guys have scrambled and like jumped <laughs> on those quests, uh, like wild hounds, and just and and but there's been a benefit in the sense that they finish each uh, map and they have these experience points, the extra experience to be able to spend on talent points, and I'm a little bit behind on it, so I haven't actually purchased any talents that I can persist throughout the campaign to benefit my character. Yeah. So I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know, incensed that I'm like, I'm getting more competitive now. Like, oh, I've got to do whatever it takes to get those experience. But, but my scores have been pretty good, all yeah. things considered. And you yeah, know, well, I was looking. Your average is pretty high compared a, to other. Yeah, I have like 65 everyone. points, then 59 points, then 61 points. So I have a pretty good average. Um, it's yeah. hard because every time I'm playing between managing the cards of the artifact cards that I want to try to complete by the end of the game to looking at the map and trying to say, do I want to get a lot of coins and gems built up so that I have more things to do, or do I really need to prioritize getting those uh, camps built on the trade route spaces because they're going to net points. And so uh, I've been playing a game where I will say the one flaw, or maybe a consistent flaw I keep making is I build a party with a lot of search and a lot of skill. That's the eye symbols and the hand symbols. And I almost never put any swords in my party. <laughs> I usually get a person that has a shield so I can just avoid threats. And so I'm not getting any points from threats. And threats are, I'm learning this, they're kind of like a free action if you can defeat them. Yeah. Just like quests are like a free action if you can complete them. So that kind of thinking, like, I'm being very efficient with my actions, but I'm not... You're not, you're not getting the... I'm not building in that, like, free action, like... Extra Short points thing. and stuff coming yeah. from it, and I want. To, I think I'm gonna try to adjust and see if I can get out of my comfort zone and do that. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens. But yeah. but so yeah. so you're telling me um, some keywords have happened, or uh, well, one of the games it seems like you did a lot of side quests. Like yeah. One thing led to the other thing, and well, without giving away too much spoilers uh, or any spoilers, I don't. You don't have to fast forward. Don't worry. No spoilers here. <laughs> um, on the Crimson Forest map. Uh, yeah, a lot of the encounters were side quests. That so those are encounters that were assigned from the first map, uh, or sorry, I should say map two. Yeah, and and so those quest lines just kept persisting, so that we really only saw like two or three of the encounters on the uh, on the Crimson Forest map because we were all invested and involved in all these side quests, which is really exciting because. If we ever go back and play another campaign, we still have all, all of the map t uh, three to really explore. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, what was neat in that one is we used the board where we had 
uh, pack tortoises in play. That was the first one we used, pack tortoises. And they allow um, players to move one extra space, but also be able to move through spaces without having to pay hearts. And that game, I thought, went really fast because just being able to move across the map without having to spend as many hearts required players to not have to travel back to town as often and be able to accomplish more in a faster period of time. So it was really interesting. Um, when we moved on to Meteor Mountain, we went back to just using packbirds. And the players thought, thought it was really challenging and really <laughs> difficult because now the max movement we could move across the map was was maybe a six capacity, like a distance of six spaces, but we had to spend a lot of hearts to do that. Yeah. And so there was threats kind of abounding and intercepting the routes, and the routes were really kind of stretched over a farther distance. And so the mountain map, you really feel like you're traversing this mountainous uh, area. It's really challenging to move through it. And so uh, there was a little bit longer feeling of a longer journey going out and then having to come back to town, which I think is... Good because it resembles the name of the box, <laughs> <laughs> right? So that's that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, we did. You know, I posted a bunch about it on the Facebook page, and so if people are more interested to hear more about it. They can check out there. I've got little kind of commentaries and everybody's play styles and strategies. So feel free to uh, hit us up on there and ask us questions again, more questions about it. But it's going well, and uh, every Tuesday I'm going to be. I'm trying to get this going, and we're running. So we'll see. I don't know how many weeks away before we finish it. Uh, but if we keep at that pace of two a, a week, we could be done in several weeks. So Cool. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. How about you, Brenna? I've picked up Story of Seasons again, so I've been playing that a lot more. That's um, Harvest the Moon? real Harvest Moon, oh, yes. 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 I saw it. Now, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I saw an announcement that they were making a new one. Yes, and it's like, fake. It's fake? Well, oh, it's, it's like not a fake, fake announcement. It's just not the real Harvest Moon company. Oh, okay. It's the company that used to do the translations of the games and now took the rights to the name Harvest Moon. So they are allowed to call it Harvest Moon, but they're not the original developers of the Harvest Moon property. The original oh. Harvest Moon series from Japan is now called Story of Seasons in America. Oh, okay. right. I went on a rant about this on Twitter <laughs> as soon as I saw that announcement. Okay. I am very passionate like about I, uh, the real <laughs> Harvest Moon. Get a nerve there. <laughs> I still want to play Stardew Valley. I know. That's the one I have not played. That's the one that you guys talked about. That's Stardew kind of Valley is really fun. Because of the adventure, almost like Legend of Zelda elements yeah, that, that incorporated. That one definitely sucked me in for a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. What's funny, though, is that I made a, like, a joke about it on Twitter where it was like, uh, like there's been this sort of running joke of just comparing something versus something that's way better, where you'll do the caption, you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about. And <laughs> like, <laughs> so what I did is you versus the guy whose name you stole after you broke off your business relationship, <laughs> comparing the like crappy knockoff, what's called Harvest Moon now to Story of Seasons. Uh. And like visibly, there's just a huge quality jump because you've got really crappy like, very bad 3D art and very bad graphic design of the Harvest Moon game and then Story of Seasons that's much more professional and much better art and stuff because yeah. they're the actual veteran developers. Right. Yeah. And, and I actually that's got... That's happened with a lot of video game series. Yeah. It's one of my most popular tweets I've ever made. It surprisingly <laughs> really? got a lot of traction. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I've been playing is... Uh, because I haven't been playing a lot of games because I still don't have glasses. So I can't 
read words on a screen far away. But I can play handheld games because I can hold them close. Now, if you didn't hear last week's episode, Brennan lost her glasses. I lost my glasses. So she hasn't been living life without glasses, just to clarify. <laughs> yes. But, uh, so yesterday I actually started playing Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. Oh, really? On a Switch that I borrowed from a friend, but cool. playing it like in the handheld mode. Oh, so, so you I can, can actually see it? I can read it and see it, yeah. Cool. How do you like it? Um, I've only played a couple hours so far. I'm kind of having a hard time figuring out how to do anything. Yeah, I did a like. Lot, there's a lot going on in that. I one. did like the basic thing where it guides you through to kind of like the first shrine. Yeah. And then it kind of like lets you go. It's like now go find three other shrines. Oh yeah. And I just haven't really been able to do anything past that because yeah. I can't Sounds like the, find the anywhere. Open sandbox every thing. every weapon I get just breaks right away, so I can't like keep a hold of a sword for long enough yeah. to go fight anything that might actually be hard to fight. <laughs> I've heard lots of complaints about that that uh, game mechanism. So I, I have never played a game where stuff disintegrated or got damaged so quickly yeah um and so i have heard some complaints about it but now that i've played for i don't even know how long i think it's so brilliant like it it works so well as you the like resource system almost it is it's like a it's like well in other games it's all about you know you'll be so it's weird I, I i've started to think of weapons as like spells in this game mm. like you know how in, in in other games um like other rpgs you'll have like a special attack or a special ability that costs magic points and you can only use it a certain amount of time and, or a certain number of times so you're like saving it for the really hard boss or like the really hard part of the game and that's how the that's how i view that's how the weapons are I think. yeah so like in in the game you tend to pick up a lot of junk and occasionally you'll pick up some really good stuff and you'll like save the good stuff for later. And you can increase like the amount of weapons you hold. So I kind of wish, see, I like Skyrim a lot, right? We, we all know that. Anybody who's been listening to me talk knows I like Skyrim. But I'll tell you, when I have to manage a, a, an inventory with like five satchels of, of slots of hundreds of weapons that I'm carrying around and I'm overburdened and I have to find my way back to towns. And talk to eight merchants who have enough sell, gold like, to sell yeah. all that stuff, or else throw it in a chest and then, like, say someday in quotations, I'm going to go through that chest of that vortex of a chest and sort through it and organize and figure out what I want to keep, what I don't. Yeah. It would be so much more fun if I'm on those in, in those dungeons and my weapons are breaking and I'm like, good, I got ten more. Yay! I'm actually used, like a torch. You know, some games like torches, yeah. you run out of torches and or arrows are like limited. Yeah. Why not do that with all weapons where they like have like that durability? Some do it, but they yeah. do it a little bit too like like Fallout where it's like too many stats, like this part of the weapon or this part of the weapon or this part of the weapon, you know, like you can see the stat bars like decreasing or breaking yeah. or under repair. But I, I kinda like that. I, yeah. I haven't played Breath I mean, of the it's, Wild. It's yet, shocking but. how fast they break though. Like they it's, break so fast. <laughs> oh, it's wow. like really fast. But seriously, stuff drops so often too. So yeah. I mean, I, I can see, I can understand the complaint, but I, I have decided I love it for two reasons. I like the, the, the whole, like, resource management thing, but I also like that it, it makes you use a whole bunch of different weapons throughout the game. Like, often in a game like that, I'll just find something I like, and I'll use it for, like, 10 hours straight, and 
this is cool because and all the weapons they like they work differently yeah like um and, and they feel different when you use them and, and some work better against certain enemies so you'll be like switching them back and forth and anyway I've been fighting some guys just with skeleton arms. Oh, so yeah. yeah, there's definitely a wide variety of <laughs> of weapons you can use. No, I'm sure it won't be as big of a problem like further into the game, yeah. but at the very beginning of it, I'm yeah, kind of so, feeling that pressure. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're right now you're in sort of the tutorial area. Mm-hmm. Like you're stuck on this plateau and they it's like it's the way that they can sort of contain the game so you can sort of figure stuff out and then they let you go and it's just like after after you get off the plateau, it's like endless. You could go anywhere. <laughs> I almost kind of wish they had a little bit more tutorial in the game, but it's just because I'm stupid. I have a hard time figuring <laughs> no, things out. Sure but uh, no, I can't. I can't <laughs> figure out. They don't. Though. They don't. They, there's they not don't a lot of tutorial. No. I figured out how to cook things. Yeah. Like just because I found a pot and tried sticking something in it, but I know you can do recipes. With more than one ingredient. Yeah, you And can. I can't figure out how to put more than one ingredient in the pot. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so there's really I'll tell basic you. stuff like <laughs> that. Okay, that can be frustrating. Out. Yeah, yeah. So when you go in the menu, you push X to hold stuff. Yeah. And then you can just push A on everything you want to hold. Oh, I didn't know you could hold yeah, more than one thing at once. You can hold up to five things, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can hold this thing and I can put it in the pot, but then it just cooks right away. How do I put something else in there with it? I didn't know you could hold yeah. more than one thing. Yeah. Well, I, I was like, this game has been seriously, like, eye-opening for me as a, as a designer. Like, I'm sure it's going to influence my future designs. This is oh, exactly nice. what I was about to segue into. And that's a big uh-oh for everyone yeah. listening, because can you imagine? I mean, I've got to express some gratitude here, because it's always good to express... What you're grateful for. I'm grateful that right now, ancient world, above and below, and near and far, your items don't disintegrate and break. <laughs> Could you well, imagine? I don't think I... I no, that would be annoying. <laughs> Could you imagine above and below, like, suddenly you're, like, hammer icons, and now your people can't... Don't have quills, the quills break, and you can't train people, or in near and far, if, like, any of your... Artifacts you just work all game building just like well that could be cool. no, no, <laughs> the film no. hammer breaks oh, oh no yeah <laughs> yeah that could be cool um, actually you could do a system where you have tiles that are um, like things you find or pick up and like one side is like full use and you turn it over and you use it once so it's like oh, on a okay. half use time and then then when you use it again you just get rid of it so everything has like two uses and that's how you keep track of them you have like an inventory like, like andor like, i'm going to do that like legend just of andor, andor. <laughs> like, like, right like the potions yeah yeah stuff it's like and potions and andor. actually andor does that already so yeah. it's not a new thing no but that's a, i mean but you I, could have a whole bunch of stuff it's a know? whole other layer of the of your uh, engine right or, or yeah. of the resources that you have to suddenly have to worry about you know, whatever. Can you imagine the armies in ancient world go up to fight a big beastie and suddenly their spears break? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be bad. Yeah. Exactly. That's why you would think of it as a resource rather than as an item, like Ryan was saying earlier, that it's something that you use and spend, right. like you do with hearts in Near and Far or right. something, right. rather than like the artifacts in Near and Far right. yeah. where they're permanent. Well, I'm just grateful that's not happening. <laughs> I love well, it. I, mean, I, I think it would, it, I agree with you. It's something that's for design, it's such a fun layer. Uh, I, you were talking last week or, or the other week about like RPG, JRPGs, and about like the management of the party and management of like surviving the dungeon and like the limited amount of health or magic points or special or was it, uh, SP, mm-hmm. you know, and the different gains. And I love that. Yeah. I, I love that part. Like, yeah. I want to make sure I have 99 Phoenix Downs and 99 High <laughs> Potions, and I'm ready. You know? Yeah. Now in uh, 
when I was playing Zelda, I was worried that the items were going, like, you pick up food and stuff like that and ingredients, and I was afraid it was going to be the um, the don't starve mechanism. Have you ever played that, don't starve? Where like you're slowly getting hungrier and then well, you'll s- die. Yeah, so you're yeah. slowly getting hungrier, and uh, the everything you carry slowly, like, well, a lot of stuff you carry slowly disintegrates. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. even if you don't... Well, like the food items. They, yeah, like, rot, rot yeah. over time. Uh, left alone and also Subnautica on the survival they do that mode. Too. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was since... worried Zelda was going to do that, and I was relieved when it didn't. <laughs> you mentioned it, there have been some iterations of the Harvest Moon series where crops have done that. Oh, no. I was oh. rotted over time. Oh, yeah, I was worried about that, that when so I was playing. so discouraged. What's uh, uh, <laughs> the other one? Valley. Valley. I'm like, no, are the eggs going to get... Like, yeah, rot, yeah. you know, I'm saving That's all this a, stuff. Wait, do they? No. Okay. They don't try to <laughs> But I still want to try that one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something they phased out in the mainline Harvest Moon series, which is now Stardew Valley. Sorry, not Stardew Valley, which is now Story of Seasons. Yes, got it. Tra- all right, keep it in Keep track of no, them. No, no. They don't do that anymore, so clearly people didn't like it. But that always stressed me out. Whereas, like, you could build, like, refrigerators for your home oh, and store things in yeah. there, and that would keep them fresh. But if you just had them in your inventory... Specifically, there was one iteration of it called Harvest Moon Grand Bazaar, where instead of the standard shipping system where you just stick all of your items in a box at the end of the day and they get shipped off to be sold and you get the money, you had to actually set up a stand and sell your stuff to people, but also like you had the freshness level that would make things not worth as much. And you would, like, have to set the amount of money and stuff, too. So, like, you couldn't just sell everything at the end of the day and not have to worry about the freshness. You have to wait until, like, the bizarre days where you could go set up your your shop to sell it. It was very complicated. It sounds tedious. A little tedious. It was a little bit. But I'm, I will say for Don't Starve, that sort of is what makes that game work. I mean... That's an important part of the game, that food rots, you know, mm-hmm. right? because everything in that game is time management, and um, if you could just save up food forever and it never, like, was in danger at all, it would it'd probably be too easy. Like, the tension in the game right. is is what makes it work. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's an interesting, I mean, this is a, this is a really kind of, it is an interesting discussion, right? Like, I'm just thinking of near and far, and just, like, one or two ways where that could be done differently. For example, like, and this is not quite to the level that we're saying, but... Every time you duel someone, whoever won, won, wins the duel, the person take, can place a damage token on one of the person's artifacts or something. <laughs> and if two damage tokens hit an artifact, suddenly, boom, you can start destroying and fighting, like going purposely after each other to duel. I mean, it's just something like that. That's like, the um, <laughs> friendship, uh, end of friendship. End of friendship <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I think it's an interesting question because when you think of it in terms of game design, you're basically comparing... Uh, like immersion and realism versus like fun, basically. Because yeah. like it's definitely more realistic if your food becomes less fresh and worth less money over time, like your produce. Yeah. But like if you just have stacks of like ninety nine uh, piles of ninety nine pieces of spinach in your bag all week, like yeah, right. they, in real life they'd go bad <laughs> and wouldn't be worth as much, but is it always fun in a game yeah. if you have to worry about selling your produce while it's still fresh? I absolutely agree with you. What, Brennan, what you're saying is like, so, like, so here, I see, so when, sorry. I'm going to go, no, okay, I have another point. To make yeah, let, let me just try to uh, articulate this. So 
you know, I love the Final Fantasy games because you could do all that, right? But now that I've played those Final Fantasy games and I've been endeared to some of them, I kind of wish there was a hard mode, a mode where it was more challenging. And what's interesting, and I'm going to tie this back to like Near and Far again, we're playing Near and Far. We've now done four. Uh, we did the you know the intro game and then we did three maps right now. Yeah. And we've had this discussion about is one victory point, uh, a negative victory point per artifact that you don't complete enough? And we've thought like, well, what if it was like three? And then someone suggested, well, what if the number of victory points the card is worth, you'd lose? And I mean, this, this discussion <laughs> kind of came up like uh, last week this when we were talking funny. about the management of like you know in a JRPG or something. But it's so let me interject. Yeah. yeah. Current. Like we've talked about this in the old, like in earlier versions, it was negative three points, three. but it was two punishment. I can't remember. Right, yeah. and 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 so people talk about another game, and I have never played this. The Bloodborne, Bloodborne, the Bloodborne game games, right? The, the are you talking about the the card game? No, or the, the video, video game? games. Oh yeah, and there's yeah. a board game coming out or something the, like that. Yeah, Dark Souls, or Dark Souls, all that kind of stuff. There's right? a Bloodborne card game by Eric Wang, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't played where it. Where it's coming out or something like that. And then there's a Dark Souls board, board game. game. I don't know as well. Design that. And those kind of games, initially up front, when I look at them, I would think, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this because is it fun or is it punishing? And some people go into the saying, I love XCOM the board game because it's so punishing. And, you know, I love the, and I want to play this, you know, new, uh, these kind of games are really challenging. And I think there's, I guess it just depends what you like, right? Like, I'm glad here and far is. Only minus one point. And, and it, but Agricola, right? Remember how many years ago playing a game like Agricola? You were stressing. You had like a knot in your stomach. You're getting an ulcer. Because if you don't have enough food, you have it, enough food. You, it's really hard to win. That's right. That, you also have to think a little bit about sort of theme and demographic when you're thinking about that as well. Because yeah. like something like Dark Souls or Bloodborne where it's this kind of dark, heavy fighter game. Like, like that can be point. harder and more punishing. That's the selling point of those games is that they're really difficult. They're challenging. But for something like a Harvest Moon game, like are people playing farming sims because they want to be punished? Right. Like usually a lot of people like that sort of genre because it's like relaxing, you yeah. know. Or it's engaging mentally, but, but it's But, but yeah. there's also some challenge when you're playing that game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean you're you're you have to you have to divide your time and decide how to best use it and be efficient. For sure. Right. And if there's no challenge, it's boring. Yeah, I think I think game design in general, for for me at least, you should. I try to focus on making a game challenging, and because there's a difference between challenging and tedious. Yes. So you want to get rid of the tedious stuff, but if you get rid of everything that's has any tension in it, then all the challenge goes away and then it becomes boring. So there's like a fine line there. Like, get rid of the tedium, but keep the challenge. Uh, so, and in add some enough, form, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And add enough rewards and accomplishments along the way that people can feel good about yeah. overcoming challenges. Right. I agree, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, tedious stuff in a game can be fun. As long as it's, uh, <laughs> it has enough be. reward, I guess. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is you, if you have enough periodic rewards for it, it can be fun. It's yeah. weird, and I don't think this is fun, but I, I've i done it hundreds of times. I have gone back to market in Skyrim and sold off hundreds of items and gone through a <laughs> half an hour process hundreds of times. And it wasn't I, like you hated doing it. And that. I didn't hate it. I just knew it was part of the game so I could get my inventory clear so I can go back out and exploring again. The fact that I did that 
hundreds of times. I can't even count how many times I would do that. I'm like, I've just spent 20 minutes of this game time. Like, that's my real, real life, real, you know, responsibilities and priorities and everything. Inter- I was sitting there, like silly inventory in menus. Yeah. <laughs> I know those shopkeepers yeah. by name, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let me just interject here. I hate it when games give you like a merchant that has limited money. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I get it's it's more realistic. I understand. Like I said, it makes again, sense in Skyrim, but yeah. again, realism and immersion versus fun. <laughs> yeah. I have a bigger gripe. I don't like. And I love Zelda games, don't get me wrong. I hate when a merchant has limited inventory. Um, when I go in there and he's got three items, I'm like, are you kidding me? This world, I know I've got to go in these dungeons to get these things. And later on, they're going to be totally plentiful. Why does he not have these things for sale? Just help me out right off the well, bat. it's not Walmart, right? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think that's it for this week. You guys have any other games you wanted to? I guess I'll just quickly interject. Yeah. The only other one I've played, and I've talked about it a little bit before, but um, with some buddies, I've started a, a full campaign of the Arkham Horror card, card game. game. Yeah. And we uh, there was the original like campaign that the base box comes with, which was like three missions. Now there's a, a full campaign, uh, which is the Dunwich Legacy. So it kind of builds on the Dunwich Horror, yeah. which is a classic H.P. Lovecraft uh, story. Um, and it comes in the box, I think, with two adventures in this uh, deluxe expansion that's like the start of the campaign. And then every month they have like a chapter pack, or I don't know what they call them, a horror pack or something. Well, let me, turn let me, them let me ask you this. Sure, go ahead. Um, after you play through the game yeah. once, yeah. is it done? Like... Uh, so no, well, there's a couple of things. So, so could the you play through it again? You could play through multiple without times. buying without the, buying anything else. Yeah, these guys have played through. Uh, this is their third time through the campaign. In the in just the, the in old, just the first box. Yeah, okay. and then they've already done through this other campaign like twice. Okay. So because they're playing different characters, which means different decks, the cards, and different synergies, and how you resolve each conflict or what choices you make branch off in different ways. Results of where the campaign will go and how the next adventure will set up. Whether you defeated the monster, whether it will reappear later, whether certain doors are open or closed, what time of day you've arrived, so certain shops might be open or places you can visit or not, and all these kind of things factor into the okay. how it's a growing building. Like yeah. all, It really tries hard to make your choices and your decisions and your successes carry an effect towards the to making it almost harder. The, the, if you don't do really good up front, those, it's going to make things harder down the road, oh, and yeah. you'll have to solve and deal with those things again later. So it's, it's cool. Like, we had a choice. Uh, I hate. I really hope I'm not spoiling things for people, so just don't listen to this part if you, if you worry about that. But there's a part where we had a choice between taking a concoction and making an experiment to make this fire brew thing that could destroy a plant monster as it was charging towards the dormitory, or the students, you know, the stu- students were living, or running ahead and warning the students, or going to find the professor who were there in the first place to try to find with a janitor's help. Okay, and don't reveal what happened. We can't reveal like, what happened. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> but it was, but, but I want to see each that. of those paths had a different ending, and then if we failed all three of those, it has a different ending of what will happen next. And okay. so that's kind of cool. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. All right. Anyways, a lot of cool character building. Your character is very unique, and then all the characters you add to your deck. It's hard. I mean, it's one of those games you have to really sit down and build a deck before you play. And all those cards are your resources and are your choices and your options that you'll have to interact with each of these unique scenarios, which some 
may be very uh, beneficial and powerful for one scenario, but again, not as, so you're really trying to balance for all the possibilities that you're going to face, but you only have a 30 card deck, which mm. is agonizing, right? Like yeah. Hearthstone, I think it was that way too. And you have lots of cards and then you are limited to very small choices, but, it, but it's like, it's good. Like you just learn how to use what you have and get better and efficient with your strategy. So I'm enjoying yeah. it. I think it's, a, I mean, a lot of people probably are giving it very high praises already. So mine's probably just added onto the heap for that one. Yeah, but, I, keep uh, see, I keep seeing people I, talk I, about I, it. I played a lot of Arkham and uh, Arkham board games from like Fantasy Flight and, and Flying Frog and stuff. I will say I'm kind of, that theme is not my favorite. Like I'm kind of, I, I like, I like the stories well enough. Uh, Lovecraft wrote years ago and, I've read a lot of those short stories, but um, you have to do something interesting in terms of gameplay to keep me interested. Just like I love fantasy or love science fiction, if you're not approaching that with something new, it's going to, you know, I don't know. For some reason, I, I feel I, a little stale. Yeah, I, I hold those to a higher standard now. I think two things I'm getting tired of in gaming. I'm sorry if I'm soapboxing here, but I'm getting tired of a lot of Cthulhu. I'm getting tired of a lot of Vikings. And I... Uh, used to get tired of zombies. So zombies, luckily, people, I think, have learned to stop doing everything zombie-related. Zombie zombies will come back in. Zombies, <laughs> zombies will never die. Hopefully there won't be a trading in the Mediterranean with Vikings, zombies, and Cthulhu. That's my... That sounds like a pretty good game. <laughs> hey, if you combine them all, like a, that actually maybe does Maybe that I'd give Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, please visit our website, redravengames.com, and follow us on Twitter at, Ra- at Red Raven Game. You can follow me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Asplund. You can see me rant about why Natsume's Harvest Moon games aren't real Harvest Moon games. And if you want to work out an awesome board game trade, you can uh, find me on Board Game Geek under username Wisp. Walker. We'd like to say thank you to Fluid Bolt for the use of our theme song Doggy Goes Moo off of the album Clay Memory. You can find more of their music on soundcloud.com slash fluidbolt. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Play lots of games. Take care. See ya. Nevermore. set up uh, um, Terra Mystica and I had to take it down almost immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I was up at my parents and I set it up and the baby needed to be fed and the thing needed to happen and the kids needed to be milk and many holidays like get get together is just a little workout. Uh, I found that gaming is not really conducive to family life until until there's a certain age. It's That's almost right. like eight and above. Yeah. But before that, it's almost like 
right it, now. It's almost like know. a it's like an enemy family. It is. <laughs> I can't. I, I I don't play. I can't play Maybe games we shouldn't anymore. Talk about, I don't know. I, on the air. Are we recording this? <laughs> we are recording it. So. Hey, folks. I don't actually play games anymore. <laughs> I really don't. I tried. I set them up, and I'm like, let's sit down and play. And you know, we sit down for about five minutes, and I'm like, okay, this is how this game works, and then everything falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Okay. You're not alone with that, so you know, and that's the thing that I'm finding is that you know, we've got this kind of like social pressure about it, but. There's a lot of people in that boat, you know? Yeah. I get, I'm starting, starting to have a good group meeting. Like, it's okay to want to play games and not be able to play games. Right. And I'm understanding why... Celebrate uh, the rest of life without having to game. Yeah. I'm starting to get why uh, people want solo game, solo options for games. Because mm. maybe they, they can't get their group together. They can't get a group. And for me, it's always like, why would I just not play a video game? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe if you're really into the scene and you, but you just can't get the game played. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're talking while we're preparing our show notes Zelda. here. So whether Brennan decides to include this or not <laughs> at the end, at the beginning, it'd be a, a weird kind of like, how would it be? Not, uh. Yeah, that would be weird to have it at the beginning. The very beginning and then be like, and now. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Ribbon Games Podcast. <laughs> 